Welcome to AMR Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell, newly changed into jeans from my exercise leggings because those are not warm, Sarah. There's just no, there's nothing warmth around spandex around your legs, right? Well, you know, I'm, it harkens back to a question we had, I think, just on last week about um, the theory of building up a little insulation layer of warm air around your body. Yeah. Maybe so I, with leggings, there is an A space, whereas you said you ch- you told me beforehand that you changed into jeans. So there's some, yeah. there's some sp- at least my jeans, there's a little bit of space for some warm air in there. Yeah, well, at least around my calves. I feel pretty tight around my thighs and my stomach right now. I won't lie. You know, it was funny. We had a question actually, um, or not a question. Someone posted on probably one of like maybe maybe the many Hickby Miles of Joy to the Run Facebook page about like a quilted skirt. And she was asking, I think she ordered it from Smartwool and she was like, should it be longer? Mm. But, you know, like I think have, I really think having a layer around your glutes is mm-hmm. is helpful. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I also mm-hmm. put on a warmer top. I mean, it wasn't just my legs. I was just cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fine because I saw some skirts at the running event, the running trade show that Katie and I went to in Austin, as you know, Dimity, and that she was like, well, I just don't see the point in wearing a skirt that's that length and, and you know, it's padded. And I said, oh, I think people in colder climates wear skirts over leggings yes, in the yeah. wintertime. To stay warm, yeah. Joe, you know, Joe, my Grand Canyon buddy, she has a good friend who, like, that is her signature look. Like, she wears leggings and skirts all mm. the time. Like, mm. you know, like if she's, she, I, she was spectating at the Twin Cities Marathon, we knew it was Peg because, you know, she's walking down the street. That's her thing, you know? <laughs> I don't know if she switches up and it gets really hot, but I've only seen mm. her kind of the fall. So I don't know. <laughs> I like it because it's like, it's definitely a, a style, you know, mm-hmm. and it, you mm-hmm. can do a lot of fun things with it. And yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a new athletic experience that I have now finally played pickleball indoors. Oh, well, very yeah. good. Yes. How did that feel? Well, first of all, it's super noisy. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Just because pickleball as a rule is pretty noisy. Exactly. And so this is there's just one court indoors at this place that I played. And it has pretty high ceilings, but the walls are very close to the court. Like there's one side that I felt like if I went really aggro to get the ball, I might run into the wall, kind of like I was playing squash or something. So it was very loud. And it was also fine because sometimes the people I'd be playing with would hit a really high shot and it would bank off the the pipes or the light fixtures. <laughs> and I'm like, play it, play it. Yeah, yeah. Is that out of bounds? Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I'm like, oh, we don't have that problem when we play outdoors. So then this weekend, I get to play at this. There's this big indoor pickleball facility that opened up within the past year that, I don't know, maybe it's 30 minutes from my house. And so they are having kind of an open house for round robin play for all the people, the club that it's a very loose club that I am paid dues for a whopping. I think it's $25 for the year. So they invited (laughs) all of us to go play yet to sign up. So get to play there on Sunday. And that's a much, much, much larger facility. And I think some of the courts are softer, like maybe hard rubber or something. Whereas the place I played indoors was basically smooth poured cement. So I think it'll be a little less noisy, a little less echoey than the place I played because it's bigger and has some softer surfaces. Yep. Well, I have like loads of extra earplugs from my volleyball uh, (laughs) spectating days and you need me to ship you some. (laughs) Oh my gosh. 
gosh, did you really wear earplugs when oh you watched? Oh my gosh, yeah. At some of the tournaments, yeah. It gets so loud. You, oh. you wouldn't believe. I think I at one point I was like, I'll take video or I'll take audio. And then I just never did. But mm-hmm. oh my gosh, with the whistles and the the balls bouncing and mm. the girls cheering. And I mean, it's a lot of whistling. There's a lot of whistles and just a lot of noise. Just a lot of noise. Yeah. Anyone who's been to a volleyball tournament is now like raising their hand and saying amen because it is... <laughs> I mean, it, it can kind of rock your system, especially if you spend a long day there, you know, mm-hmm. like a long, you know, they have games that say like nine, one and six or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, by the end, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've, you know, run a marathon <laughs> or played three games myself, you know, just as a parent, because it's just so uh, stimulating. Gotcha. 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 All right. So uh, that's interesting because um, I've been reading a lot of the coverage. I mean, that's not so old school of me to actually read about these World Cup games. But there was a really great article in the New York Times about the Morocco game. I'm forgetting now who they beat. But um, uh, oh, I guess they beat Spain. No, I'm making that up. I don't know. Whoever people are yelling as they're listening to this. But but the whole like the first three paragraphs of the piece was about just the sound and the noise in the stadium and the energy that was coming off all the noise and how it just like when you thought it couldn't get any louder than Morocco won. And so I thought, wow. pretty, I don't yeah. know that this is the most uh, interesting show opener we've ever <laughs> Question, shall we? <laughs> all right, all right. Um, <laughs> well, this is Gina who has some questions about destination races. Hi, my name is Gina and I'm calling from Strawberry Point, Iowa. My question regards running a destination race. So I've run several half marathons in my running career and next on my to-do list is a full marathon. So I've got the Steamtown Marathon in Scranton, Pennsylvania on my radar for next October. I'm a big fan of the office and thought it'd be a pretty cool thing to run run a race through Scranton, Pennsylvania. But anyway, my question is, first of all, what should my itinerary be? Uh, when should I arrive? What do I do like the day or two before the race to prepare? And then second, am I going to be worthless after running the race where I'm not going to enjoy sightseeing and touring and things like that after is this just a a silly idea thanks for doing the show i love what you're doing and thanks in advance for the advice so dim you and i love a good destination race so i adore this question dim you and i've had certainly been to our fair share of away races yeah yeah well i love that gina like loves the office do they have like some kind of they have any kind of like museum there or anything for that do you know <laughs> no because that's what i thought i I love that she's like oh well, and what about you know going to tourist sites afterwards and and you know visiting and i'm like wow i don't know how much scranton plays up all that then, then i was thinking oh well maybe she could run that route you know the time that michael scott and all the colleagues do the is it a 5k maybe and he eats that enormous plate of spaghetti ahead of time to carve <laughs> up and then i'm like uh that was probably filmed on a back lot in los angeles <laughs> well i remember the time when he was like look when he was he was it was like an early stage gps and it told him to drive into the lake oh, yes yes <laughs> he just like drove into the lake lake and Sometimes- i think he was going somewhere then it was farther than america Yeah, Yeah, that's so funny because on Duolingo, the um, app that I learned Spanish on, there's a kind of story just similar to that. And every time I think it's this like, you know, the conversation between a taxi driver and the person in the backseat telling the taxi driver where to go. And I'm like, it's just like the episode of The Office. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So we have gotten very far afield. I know. I know. Okay. So Gina. Okay. Well, so hopefully it, Scranton lives up to your expectations. That's the yeah. first thing, the Steamtown Marathon. <laughs> so getting there, I mean, so say the race, let's just say the race is on Sunday. That's when most marathons are. Mm-hmm. I would make my flight either um, for Thursday night or Friday morning, depending upon if you have an extra room in your budget for like an extra hotel night, I would say mm-hmm. Thursday night, just to give yourself a little bit more leeway. But Friday morning, I would be on the first flight Friday morning, probably, mm-hmm. because then that gives you space to, um, you know, if there's delays, you're still going to get there Friday mm-hmm. because you're going to want to have a day to travel, basically, and then a mm-hmm. day for like expoing slash, you know, getting acquainted with you know, where the starting line is, going to eat early, that kind of thing. I wouldn't get there the day before, personally. Yeah, but because also, I mean, with the travel delays, you know, the the planes getting, you know, flights getting canceled and all that stuff. I mean, I've definitely met people who are just dashing in at the last second to an expo to get their bib. And I mean, yeah. that, talk about stress. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine being like, it closes at seven. I have to get there. Oh, yeah. There's always there's always that situation. I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially more now. So like, so yeah, so that's where I would start. The other thing that I would do in advance besides booking your hotel and your flight, of course, <laughs> is book a restaurant yes. for the night before the race. Mm-hmm. I would book it early. Mm-hmm. Think like, you know, blue plate special, maybe 435. Mm-hmm. The restaurants, especially in a smaller town, are going to get crowded. Mm-hmm. And you also just want to be able to have time to like digest your food. Like you don't want to eat at eight and then all of a sudden go to bed with that full, full plate of spaghetti in your mouth, right? Or in your <laughs> belly, I guess. So yeah, so those are the, those are like the three like preparatory things that I would do. Yeah, particularly in a smaller town. I know when I did Big Sur, I was very aware of, okay, got to book, you know, the restaurant uh, reservation, the Italian restaurant reservation early, because, you know, if there's only two such places in a town or something, they're going to fill up with racers right away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for yeah sure. same, thing, same thing happened when I went to did uh, Eugene Marathon. That was definitely those smaller town races. So and then you we both alluded to the expo. So I know it's tempting to, you know, walk every aisle up and down, up and down and spend a lot of time looking at new nifty stuff. But that is not the day for doing that, <laughs> that, that you want to not be on your feet a whole bunch. You and I have definitely stood at expos all day long and then run, you know, a, a half marathon or and sometimes I've run a marathon the next day. And that's very very draining, particularly because a lot of those back to concrete, there's a lot of they're on really hard surfaces. And so that's a lot of time on your feet on a hard surface, which is not what you want the day before a race. But you can do a small shakeout run and you can combine that with some sightseeing, you know, two, three miles. You can see a fair bit of Scranton, I imagine. Much <laughs> <laughs> as it is, there might yeah, be, yeah, yeah. The, main, the main drag. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then, Dim, when I was um, making the notes and contemplating this question, I was reminded for some reason of that long, long photo shoot that you and I did the day before the Nike Women's Marathon, which, you know, kicked off the whole another mother runner party and oh gosh we were both set to run the marathon the next day and there we are you know moving to a couple different locations standing around trying to get the right photo for the runner's world story runner's world had sent a photographer yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i was so excited though that i feel like i didn't really care you know (laughs) oh oh, it was exciting for sure but i remember thinking like huh i'd really like to just be laying at the hotel with my legs up right about now yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, and then, I mean, anything else before the race, of course, like pack, you know, I would have a packing list, mm-hmm. you know, kind of set up. We have those actually on our website. Um, if you like Google marathon packing list, you can probably find it. Mm-hmm. Start like laying your stuff out like a couple days before, just because then mm-hmm. you can kind of add to it a, like piece by piece. And like, mm-hmm. I like doing that. And then also like if there's like snacks that you want to have or stuff that you always have for breakfast, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. Breakfast can be kind of a hard thing to do first thing in the morning, especially, I mean, a lot of races obviously make, um, you know, hotels will like put out a small table of like bagels and bananas and, you know, yogurt and that kind of thing. But if you're particular about what you want, definitely make sure that either you have a place to get it in town before that or bring it with you. Yeah, that is the tough, tough thing about away races is that breakfast component. Yeah. And yeah, because, you know, you're used to laying stuff out, you know, and having everything you want at home. It's like, oh, yeah, there's my almond butter right where it is supposed to be. And then it's like, oh, huh, I don't have any packets of almond butter and I didn't pack it in my luggage. So pack it, pack it. Yes. Yes. Pick up your packet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, And then afterwards, I mean, you know. Personally, like, it, I, I guess it depends, like, if you want to head home that day or stay the night. I mean, if you want to sightsee, then obviously you're going to stay the night. If you want to head home, you know, you're definitely going to want to have some, like, compression socks if you're flying out, mm-hmm. um, something that's going to kind of help your legs. Obviously, you're going to get up and walk around the plane a little bit. You're going to drink water like it's like there's no tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of do the best you can for self-care um, as far as just, like, keeping blood circulating. So, walking a lot, you know, walking around the airport, walking on the plane, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do find it difficult, though, if you do leave on the same day as the marathon, getting a late enough checkout, because depending on when the race starts, you know, there's there's certain races that start, you know, super early, like I'm thinking of the Honolulu Marathon that what starts at like 5am or something. So hopefully you're back at your room even before the regular checkout, let alone a late checkout that you've asked for. But otherwise, it can be tough to be like, oh, I got to get back to my room and, you know, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle to get back to your hotel. That can be tricky. So for me, that's why I like to stay at least one extra day. So I don't have that pressure on me to get back, try to take a shower, not scream because of all the chafing and then, you know, get out of the room. So then also, Tim, going back in time to that Nike Women's Marathon, remember you and I drove to visit our my college friend, and you know her through work out at um, Stinson Beach, which is about an hour north, hour drive north of San Francisco. And I just remember, drove him there, it was a really windy drive. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to be alert, like this is tense. And then we get there and I basically fell out of the car because my legs were so stiff. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't remember that at all. I remember going to her house. I don't remember you falling out of the car. Oh, I can oh barely gosh. I mean, you always love it when I have trouble standing up. No, Sarah, I don't limp when I get off an airplane. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean you're gonna be stiff no matter what. And so that next day is gonna be it usually doesn't hit you like that delayed onset muscle soreness doesn't hit usually for like 48 hours. So, I mean, actually the next day you should be in okay shape to go, you know, walk around and see some stuff. But then that, I think, you know, if the race again was on Sunday, I would say Tuesday morning, you know, Mm -hmm. get ready for, uh, (laughs) get ready for that toilet to feel like it's like, you know, you're descending into the Grand Canyon to 
to go pee. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That is the worst thing after a marathon. It's like, I'll just hold it. I'll just hold it some more because I don't want to have to go sit down on the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Total diversion here, but we are, you know, Ben is my uh, 17 year old now. He is six, seven. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm the third shortest in my house and I'm six, four. um, Ben is like, you know, we didn't, we didn't change. We didn't like remodel anything when we moved in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bathrooms are really sized for a mouse. I mean, they are very small. <laughs> and so the toilets even, like, my mom was like, your toilet seats are so low. And I'm like, oh, they are. I mean, so I'm like, oh, there's such a thing called, like, comfort seat, like, which is like a normal height, you know? Like, you don't you don't know until you know, right? And I'm like, oh. And so Ben's like, can you please get some higher corners in here and, like, a toilet so I don't have to, like, eat my knees? I'm like, Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny because I always enjoyed visiting my parents after a marathon because they had, you know, they were trying to age in place, which they, they did. They made it into their 90s in their historic house. And so they had really high toilet seats. I'm like, this is fabulous. And they had grab bars. So the oh. t- <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> Maybe Ben will need one of those too. I don't know. I mean, we do need to replace some toilets around here. It just made me think of that. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I haven't run a marathon recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, we'll be back with more questions and answers after this short break. Stick around. Okay. Half marathoner Jill, who's sad she won't have a cheer squad at her race. Hi, this is Jill from Baltimore, and I have a question about celebrating a big running goal solo. Like many others, I took up running regularly during the pandemic. Uh, This year, I turned 50. And I also have some high school friends who run, although we live in different states. We decided to do our first half marathon together here in Baltimore, but now neither of them can run due to injuries and family issues. My husband has been at all of the in-person races I've done in the last two years, but he's going to be traveling for work. I have a 17-year-old son. He's also going to be working that day. And I'm feeling like this might be the only half marathon I ever run, and I want to celebrate it. But I am feeling a little sad that I'm not going to be able to share cheers at the finish with my friends or my husband like I originally had hoped. Any suggestions for marking this accomplishment are welcome. Thanks so much for helping me become a better and more consistent runner through the podcast and through the whole AMR community. Jill, good on you for taking up running during the pandemic and for striving toward a big goal. And I want to apologize. I'm sorry we didn't answer this question in time for your big race, but I'm hoping that our advice can help others who might find themselves in your proverbial shoes. Yeah, yeah. And um, gosh, it's so cool that you've become a more consistent runner and a better runner through the podcast and through being part of AMR. I mean, that is just, that's just really cool to hear. So thanks, Jill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Dim, I love these types of questions because you, yes, you, (laughs) Dimity, are a genius at coming up with ways to mark occasions and or come up with creative solutions. So so please bring it on. Well, um, I mean, I would say, you know, so a couple things. First of all, I would maybe one of her friends or her husband or maybe her 17-year-old son, but if he is like my 17-year-old son, he would not have this up. But maybe there's a way to like put together something for her mm. so that she opens it when she gets there, you know, like a box of well wishes or, you know, different notes that she could open like pre-race, post-race, maybe at mile six or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but just like something so that people like knew that they were thinking about her. Mm-hmm. You could also have people text her during the race if she's like a phone carrier and, and mm. looks at that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the two that come into mind right away. Um, what do you think? 
Well, I thought, you know, that, well, right now I'm listening to Nina Totenberg's book. I think it's called Dinners with Ruth. And it talks a lot about friendship. And she talks a lot about relying on friends while her first husband, Nina Totenberg's first husband, was going through some um, serious illnesses. And so just talking about that you kind of never know what your friends will do for you unless you ask. Also about how much people want to help people. Mm-hmm. And, and so so that that's on, you know, a grand scale. That's, you know, big life issues. So but, you know, put up on your Facebook page that, hey, I'm doing the, you know, the Baltimore crab half marathon. And is, any, <laughs> you know, is, is anybody else doing it? Or I'd really love if you're going to be there, you know, watching your brother or, you know, your spouse doing the race. Could you cheer for me, too? Here's my number you know, into like bib number, that sort of thing. So that because, uh, you know, also if you're standing around for a long, like, let's say you were there, let's say you were there to watch Grant, your husband run the race. And then you found out that this mom, you know, from school is also running it. You're going to be stoked because for all that time you're standing there waiting for Grant, you can also be looking for, you know, Amy to run by or, you know. Sure, sure. Well, I just want to say, you know, those, those, like, you know, the trackers now that almost every race has, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's, pretty fun, you know? And so mm-hmm. again, like I would have, you know, it depends upon what Jill, you know, what kind of, if she's like, a, you know, runs with her phone or not, but, you know, knowing that people are watching you, even if they're mm-hmm. not like virtually watching you versus, you know, being there in person. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing, but it's, it's a nice substitute. Yeah, sure. And yeah, exactly. Knowing that people are thinking about you, that they they maybe have virtual eyes on you. I I think that's a strong motivator. And so it, this question also got me thinking about how, when I was married to my first husband, John, that I just couldn't do a race without him being there. I just, I, I've talked before on, I forget whether it was this podcast or the Friday podcast about how, you know, I almost kind of tricked him into coming to watch me in a triathlon when he, on the night that he said he wanted out of our marriage. I'm like, yeah, but can you come still watch me do <laughs> the triathlon at Lake Winnipesaukee? Uh, it wasn't quite that cause and effect, but it was, it was close. I definitely duped him into going to it. And, you know, the, that was back when I rowed. I was a rower. And so the head of the Charles, you know, I, it was so important to me that he be there and then you know go through this unexpected divorce work on a ton of this stuff it's a long answer but work on a ton of those issues with a therapist now i've almost swung the exact opposite way that i'm like huh i guess i could ask jack to go spectate that you know like, sure sure it just uh it just doesn't occur to me and and when you know when i qualified for boston the second time it was up in victoria british columbia so that was a nice romantic getaway as as much as a marathon getaway can be romantic <laughs> uh, don't touch me don't touch me <laughs> and uh so but you know it was we we had plans for where he was going to see me and he missed seeing me the first time and you know, okay, it took me maybe a mile to get over being pissed at him. But still, I was just like, oh, I was let down that he wasn't there. Ultimately, I was glad he was there. But yeah, you know, it's, it's expectations. A, yeah, yeah, it's, expectations. A give, it's a give and take. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, I go back and forth. I mean, I just feel like I understand like on your very first half marathon, you definitely want people there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I hear you also going by yourself you know, and being like, I'm okay with that. But I'm kind of, I feel like I've said this a couple of times this week, we've done the, 
webinars for the 2023 programs that we're going to do in the Train Like a Mother Club. And I'm just like, I'm kind of done doing races by myself. Like, mm. I don't, they because they don't hold enough appeal in and of themselves, you mm-hmm. know, to me, mm-hmm. I just want to share it with somebody like that. At the end of the day, that's what I want to do. You know, so when I went and did my aqua bike, like that was cool. It was cool. And I knew that coaches like Jen and Liz were watching, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like there was no one there. I, you know, I just, I don't know. It just felt a little empty to me. So I think it's kind of, you know, it, it, it can come and go, right. Mm-hmm. The importance mm-hmm. of having me someone there, but she did mm-hmm. wear a shirt that said, because uh, you because you reached out to her, right, Sarah? I did. I did. And so um, don't be surprised if you leave a voice memo for us, if you have, suddenly get a text from me, because I wanted some follow-up and, and I asked her for a photo. Because the race had happened, I asked her how the race went, and I apologize for not answering it sooner. And so she very cleverly, Jill very cleverly wore a shirt that said first half marathon. And she says she got some excellent cheers on the course as a result. So I was like, oh, that's genius. She there, right there. there. That's the mm-hmm. best thing you can do. That is the mm-hmm. best plan B. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was awesome. So good job, Jill. Yeah. And good job going for it, you know, and not mm-hmm. backing down, even though no one's going to be there. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So this is Sam who's confused about race pace. Hi, it's Sam from Naperville, Illinois. Um, I'm a little embarrassed to ask this question, but I've used AMR training plans for years now, and I've never quite understood when it says race pace, miles 10 to 14, for example, in the long run, like in a 15-miler, am I running four miles of race pace or five miles of race pace? So do I start when I get to mile 10 on my watch and stop when I get to mile 14? Or am I starting at mile 9 so that when I finish 10, it's actually 5 miles? I almost wish for my brain it would just say 4 miles, 6 miles, 5 miles of race pace because when it says the range for some reason... I just can't seem to figure it out. So I probably should have asked this question anonymously since I'm the only one that's confused. But I appreciate your answers. Thanks. All right. So, Tim, I, I you don't typically listen to the messages because uh, I'm the one who has the access to our Google voice line. And but I sent so I sent it to you and so that you could listen to it, because I'm pretty certain that Sam called in this question while running on a treadmill. I mean, she's definitely running. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I think I, I wrote back. I'm like, she's either on a treadmill or she's outside. One of the two, but she's definitely running, um, which yeah. is so cool. I love that, Sam. Good job. Yes, yes. Okay, so, and we're going to file this under our credo of no questions too basic or too much information. So I get it. It's like after your 50th birthday, you're 50, but are you in your fifth, but you're in your 51st year of life. So I, I understand the confusion of, well, wait, do I start at mile nine? Do I start at mile 10? I, I don't quite get that. So, um, so coach Dimity and the suspense, please. When should Sam be <laughs> stepping up the pace and then explain why some training plans incorporate race pace segments into the runs? Sure, sure. So um, so if it is race pace from mile 10 to 14 of a 15-mile run, I would say your race pace starts when your GPS, you know, turns over to 10. So it's 10 mm-hmm. to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 13, and 13 to 14. And mm-hmm. then if it's a 15-mile run, that cool down is from 14 to 15. Yes. Is that how you would read it too, Sarah? It is how I would read it, yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I yeah, 
And if you end up doing one more race pace mile, well, good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but good luck with that. Um, but yeah, we some, some plans, the more, you know, I don't want to say the more advanced plans, but the more the plans for more experienced runners have race pace miles because it's good to get that feeling, you know, like when you are in race pace, like you want to be feeling like, okay, what do, what's my breath like? Like what, what, how do I feel? Um, like what do my footfalls sound like? You know, you want to kind of get that sense so that you can kind of dial it in mm-hmm. on race day without watching your watch too much because your watch is going to be, you know, everywhere. Right. And you want to mm-hmm. be able to come at it internally and say, okay, when I'm, you know, when I can, when I'm, exhaling every other step or I don't know, whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be like, that's, that's race pace. And it's also just, you know, um, getting your mind and body ready for that pace. Right. Because especially mm-hmm. if you're going for a, an ambitious goal, you got to kind of be like, okay, this is what's going to happen. So <laughs> let's try it on, you know? Yeah, yes, 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 yes. For me, it's all, it was all about running that pace on tired legs so that yeah, you, yeah. you have the, you, you're in the bulk of training. So you have, you know, the, the big runs that you just did during the week versus on race day when you will be tapered. So you do have to remind yourself that when you're doing race pace segments in a training run, that it will feel better on race day because you'll be rest, you'll be better rested. So, but then it's all about, as you know, Coach Dimity, about, you know, stepping it up late in a race, sorry, in a training run, and then keeping the intensity there so that you can hold that race pace. And I, gosh, I vividly remember when I was running Eugene Marathon in uh, 2009 and going with my then coach down to Eugene, making that two hour drive down there and then doing, gosh, I think it was a 21 or 22 mile training run on the course and doing race pace for a lot of it. And oh my gosh, I was so nervous leading up to that run. Well, that's quite a buildup, right? You're going with your coach, you're driving two hours, you're doing a long run. I mean, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It it definitely was a lot. It was a lot. It's very exciting. We saw Galen Rupp, the now pro runner while we were out there. And he was just kind of, I mean, it's a long time ago. So I, I don't know if he was a student at uh, U of O then or anyway. So I was like, Hey, that was Galen Rupp. That was exciting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> only in Oregon. Do you recognize Galen Rupp when you're out on a long run? And, um, but yeah, it was very daunting ahead of time, but boy, I felt like truly a rock star. I felt like Katy Perry after that thing was over because I, I did it. Yeah. And, and so then I, I, you know, kind of bottled up that confidence and took it with me to actual race day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they make you kind of really sick to your stomach, like 10 times worse than if you're just like, oh, I've got a long run today. Mm-hmm. But then you go out and you go for it and you usually nail it and it feels really good. Like it feels, mm-hmm. it definitely puts a big, you know, deposit into your confidence for race day. So yeah, it but those workouts, they're never fun to, that's when you, that's when we say like, don't look ahead. Don't look <laughs> do ahead on the schedule. Ahead. Yes. It's just like, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. <laughs> you do not. You do not. All right. Well, we are in in need of some questions for the show, please. And you can leave a message by calling 470-BADASS-1. That translates to 470-223-2771. Leave your first name and where you're calling from. And please keep your message to a minute or less. And the number is in our show notes. So there's no need to memorize the digits on a run. Yep. And just wanted to give you a quick reminder that Many Happy Miles, our annual membership program is open for 2023. We are celebrating our fifth year anniversary, which Woo-hoo. is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really focuses on consistency and community along with 
365 days of fresh workouts, monthly strength training circuits, live strength and yoga classes, and guest experts. And this year, I'm really excited for two things that we're kind of adding slash polishing up. Mm -hmm. Um, We're adding a monthly community check-in, so a place for the members to come and kind of use the workouts from the month and write your own schedule so Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're a little bit more intentional sometimes, Mm -hmm. because sometimes when you take pen to paper, that helps quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is um, making the workouts more inclusive. So the cardio workouts are also going to include, in addition to running, will also include cross-training and walking variations. So join us for your best year yet at anothermotherrunner.com slash many happy miles. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medore from Fire on the Bluff. So keep those questions coming. We're here with answers, but don't ask us who Morocco played. <laughs> Ba-boom, chop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Please, there goes Jack again. A goal must have been scored. <laughs> he's, like, he's like banjo. <laughs> he's your banjo. <laughs>